Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. It is Wednesday afternoon. It is 11 minutes past 2, going on to 12 minutes past 2, and it is Erev Tisha B'Av um, here in Johannesburg as it is around the world. But it is a beautiful day. And there is so much that we need to think about as it comes to Erev Tisha B'Av and Tisha B'Av itself and what it means for us <clears throat> and the few days that lie ahead and, of course, the Shabbat up ahead. And all of that is uh, going to be the topic for today, what we're going to be thinking about, talking about, and what we've got to do uh, today and tomorrow and then thereafter um, and take the messages of Tisha B'Av, not only of the day, but to carry them forward as well. We have to begin at the beginning by saying that while Tisha B'Av is a day of sadness and a day of mourning and so on, there always has to be, in everything Jewish, there has to be a positive outcome, a positive energy from it. If we think about it, why do we go through the hardships, the difficulties of a day like Tisha B'Av, of fasting, of mourning, of being sad, and so on. It cannot be that that is an end in and of itself. Yes, we're told that if we mourn for the destruction of the temple, we'll certainly get to see the third Beit HaMikdash, we'll get to see the Biat Mashiach, and there's got to be a distinct message in that as well. But if we think about it, the very way that that is phrased tells us that there has to be a positive outcome. This is not just mourning for itself. We cannot be down and depressed. We have to have a positive sight, a positive foresight and a positive vision of what there is going to be in the future and what we are going to accomplish, hopefully, from the sadness, the mourning, the fasting, and so on, that Tisha B'Av um, holds in its wake. So let's perhaps begin by thinking about the reasons for Tisha B'Av. Where does Tisha B'Av actually come from? I've told you before in Judaism 101.9, and it's not that difficult to uh, elaborate upon and to see that um, anything and everything that happened to the Jewish people um, in the desert – while we were traversing the Sinai Desert on our way from Mitzrayim, from Egypt, till we occupied Israel, um, had a message along the way, and there were so many things that happened to us along the way. And the dates of things that happened while we were in the desert either came back to haunt us, as in the case of Tisha B'Av, or came back to uh, remind us of something, or came back to be something Positive, some positive energy in our lives. Now, when we think about Tisha B'Av, well, <coughs> today is the day before Tisha B'Av. Today is the 8th of B'Av, uh, Shmini B'Av. And on this day, if we go all the way back to the period of time when the Jewish people were in the desert, the uh, year immediately after we received the Torah, the Jewish people were on the brink of making headway <coughs> into Israel. Our uh, dreams were about to be fulfilled. But what did the Jewish people do? They decided that um, we needed to send spies. And they persuaded Moshe Rabbeinu Moses picked the spies that were going to go, and they were sent into Israel, into the land of Israel. And we all know 
the story and we all know the outcome of that story. What we may not know is that today is the anniversary of their return. They came back on the eighth day of the month of Av, and upon their return, they brought, of course, um, produce of the land of Israel, but perhaps there was a sense of cynicism to it. They brought huge grapes the size of footballs, and they said to them, look at the wonderful produce of Israel. It's magnificent. It's incredible. It took two people to carry a bunch of grapes. These are outlandish things, but... Just pause for a moment and think about the outlandish-sized mouths of the giants who occupy the space. If that's the size of their grapes, imagine how big the mouths are that have to pop them in. And so in a cynical fashion, they managed to turn the people's emotions and turn their minds away from going into Israel, going into Israel, and thinking about how cruel God had been uh, <laughs> for getting us out of Egypt bringing us to a land that was going to eat us alive, that we were going to be like grasshoppers trodden upon by these giants, and so on. And all of that happened, and it all went down on this day, the day before Tisha B'Av. And the people sat that night, and they mourned, they cried, bemoaning the terrible fate, bemoaning the terrible fate that they felt that they had of coming into the desert, and not only having to suffer in the desert, but spending time now thinking about contemplating this great and wondrous land that we were going to occupy, but it was the very antithesis. It was the opposite. Imagine hearing about your holiday destination or the destination where you're going to emigrate to um, that, God forbid, turns out to be an absolute nightmare. It's nothing like anybody said it would be. This is going to be a terrible, terrible, terrible event in our lives. Uh, we'd either like to rather stay in the desert or we'd like to return to Egypt to the slavery that we had before. And the Jewish people cried. And we know, like any good father, any good parent, God said, you don't want to go into Israel. I'm not going to make you go into Israel. You can die in the desert. Stay in the desert where you want to be. And we think about the existence in the desert. The existence in the desert was probably really, really great. Um, <clears throat> people had food that dropped from heaven. It's called manna. They had water that came out of not only rocks but out of the well of Miriam. They had protective clouds of glory that protected them on all sides, bathed them, washed them, laundered their clothes um, and one has to ask the question, what was it that they did in the desert? What did they do? What did they spend their time doing? And, of course, they spent their time learning Torah. Now, perhaps this was the reason why the spies in the first place, ten of them at least, had to come back with this negative report. They wanted to try and persuade the Jewish people that it was worth spending a little bit longer in the desert, learning a little bit more Torah, because they realized that as soon as they got into Israel, things would change, things would become normal again, let's call it natural. Um, and this was what they wanted to try and head off. They wanted to try and make sure that the people stayed in the desert. The people cried. Hashem says, you cried for no reason. I'll have to give you a reason to cry. None of you will occupy Israel. This whole generation will die out in the desert. And in fact, we're told that that was the foundation, the very first Tisha B'Av, the Tisha B'Av of that first year in the desert. After the giving of the Torah, having sent the spies, they came back with a bad report. We cried and it became a day of sadness, a day of mourning. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. 
we're talking about <clears throat> the time in the desert and the spies coming back on this day and reporting to the Jewish people, and only two out of the 12 gave a good report, the rest a negative report. They spoke against Israel, and the Jewish people were then destined to die out in the desert, 600,000 men who uh, didn't believe that we were going to get to Israel, that we needed to get to Israel, that it was such a scary, frightening place, and... Um, <clears throat> God kind of, in inverted commas, obliged. Um, you want to stay in the desert? Stay in the desert. And that is where those 600,000 men had to remain. 15,000 of them dying each year, we're told, on Tisha B'Av. And it became then embedded for the next 39 years. It became embedded as a day of National mourning, day of sadness. Now think about it projected forward that it is not for any coincidental reason or just as we like to say today, random, that the first Beit HaMikdash is destroyed by the Babylonians on this day, on Tisha B'Av, a few hundred years later. And then a few hundred years after that, after the Babylonian exile and the Jews were allowed to return and the rebuilding commenced and the second Beit HaMikdash, the second temple, stood on its rightful place and in all its glory um, for the next 400, uh, over 400 years, that there it stood until the Romans came, Titus came along and they destroyed the second Beit HaMikdash. And guess what? It was destroyed on the same day. The same day, well, if we think about the common theme between all of these things, is it not that something went wrong in our communication with God, in our belief, in our emuna, in our faith, in the fact that, A, God was going to take us to Israel in the first place, and then with the first destruction, the fact that we wandered, we became a little less than Moral, a little bit less than ethical, and we were doing things that we shouldn't have been doing, and eventually Hashem takes away the, uh, or allows the taking away of the first Beit HaMikdash and the second temple. <coughs> we're told that wanton hatred. There was hatred between people. There was no love lost between brothers. There was no love lost between friends. <coughs> and this wanton hatred led us to the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash, of the second temple. And once again, damaging or showing that there is something wrong in our mode of communication, in our mode of adhering to and listening to what it is that the Almighty, that God wants from us. And when that is damaged, we have not only the death in the desert, but the destruction of the first temple and the destruction of the second temple. And then, of course, Tisha B'Av becomes embedded in the Jewish national psyche as a day of tragedy, as a day of sadness, not only uh, <coughs> the things that we've mentioned already, but the Spanish Inquisition, the beginning of the First World War, which led directly to the Second World War, Warsaw Ghetto, um, and so on, <coughs> so many times that Tisha B'Av becomes the day of anguish. And, of course, <coughs> if we reflect in recent history, I'm not sure if everybody does remember, you should remember, that the ousting of the Jewish people who had settled in Gaza, the ousting of the Jewish people who had settled in Gaza actually happened um, not that long ago on Tisha B'Av as well. That was, by some strange twist of fate and some strange 
uh, non-humorous sense of humor. Tisha B'Av was the day on which all of that went down and with dire and difficult and tragic consequences. Now, if we think about all of these things, it conjures up this awesome, difficult, and harsh day, the day of Tisha B'Av. However, we're told that Tisha B'Av is going to be the day on which Mashiach will reveal himself or Mashiach will be born. It's a day of national tragedy and difficulty, but... The ability to be able to see beyond that and to realize that there is something much more to our mourning, to our sadness. And it's not an open-ended sadness and mourning that leads us to depression and a state of mind and state of play whereby we cannot function, we cannot do anything else. There has to be the positive outcome. Number one is there has to be the positive outcome of learning from the mistakes of the past, of remembering <clears throat> that we need to have more faith, of remembering that we need to have more love, of remembering that we need to do more goodness, that we didn't need to do more kindness, we need to do more mitzvot, we need to learn more Torah. All of those things have to happen in order to improve our relationship with the Almighty in order to build the bricks, so to speak, or place those bricks one by one. The stones in the building of the third Beit HaMikdash are going to be the acts of goodness, the acts of kindness, the love, the Torah learning, the davening, the prayer, and so on, that we as the Jewish people and others, of course, join in to do to make our world ready for the coming of Mashiach and for the Third Temple. This is something that is very, very pointed in our history towards the attitude that we have to adopt, I think, (coughs) towards Tisha B'Av today and certainly Tisha B'Av tomorrow. So what are the laws? What are the things that we have to bear in mind? Well, already this afternoon, for the afternoon before Tisha B'Av, we're already into the throes of Tisha B'Av and already some of the rules of Tisha B'Av, start applying. Now, yes, you certainly can still be eating and drinking as we sit here now on Wednesday afternoon, Erev Tisha B'Av, but certainly certain things come into play already, and that is we're into a stage of sadness already for Erev Tisha B'Av. The day is coming. It's almost upon us, and during this time, we are not allowed to anymore after midday today learn Torah um, which gives us a great upliftment and um, spiritual joy. We refrain from learning regular things in Torah. We only learn the things that are permitted on Tisha B'Av itself, which incorporate the book of Eov, um, certain of the prophecies of destruction, as well as the Talmudic um, uh, parts of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash and so on. Those are the only things that we can learn or laws of mourning and so on. <clears throat> These are the things that we learn on Tisha B'Av and that already applies to this afternoon. As the day nears its end today, <clears throat> before sunset, we need to make sure that we have eaten our taking of the fast meal. Now, this is not as much the joyous meal as it may be perceived on Erev Yom Kippur. It's not that same stage of a yom, of a state of a yom tov meal. 
much more to see to it that we have foods that will sustain us throughout the day. We refrain from eating things, of course, that are going to make us extremely hungry or thirsty tomorrow, um, things that are very salty, things that are very spicy. Um, and, of course, we are still not permitted to eat meat and to drink wine, and uh, no alcoholic beverages should, in fact, be consumed at the end of this day, so at our Sudam at our meal at the end of the day. We do sit low for uh, the meal right at the end, which usually is consists of the eating of an egg, which is a symbol of mourning, symbol of life, but a symbol of mourning, and within that itself there is a symbol of what our Jewish morning is all about. While we are thinking about death, God forbid, we're thinking about life. We're thinking about the turnaround. We're thinking about the hereafter. And we're thinking about what happens next. We're not only thinking about this as an end in itself. We take the uh, egg, the hard-boiled egg, we dip it into a little bit of ash, and that is what we actually eat to take our fast today. Um, it is not pleasant. We sit low. And then tonight, as we go to Myriv, we remove our shoes, um, wearing non-leather shoes or uh, slippers, socks, and so on, um, as we would do on uh, Yom Kippur. In addition to that, we sit low. So like a mourner, God forbid, in the week of Shiva, we sit low. We sit on turned-over chairs. We sit on uh, lower benches. Uh, we sit on perhaps on a step or uh, and so on. And this is done, by the way, in Shul during Myriv, as well as up until midday tomorrow. Um, we sit low. We do not wear leather shoes. Um, tonight we say the Book of Lamentations, the Book of Eicha, is said in Shuls around the world. Uh, book of Lamentations, which uh, bemoans, bewails, and thinks about <clears throat> the destruction of the temples and puts us into that mood of Mournfulness, but at the same time remembering that there is the proverbial light that is going to follow, the light at the end of the tunnel, the light after the darkness. This is all contained in this book of Eicha, of um, what we do on Tisha B'Av. So tonight, Mayariv takes place, evening service, and then the book of Eicha. And of course, many shuls have various different speakers, programs, videos, and so on, on either on the sad things, the destructive stuff, um, or some will focus on the future, on what we've got to do about it, and also about the Beit HaMikdash, the temple. You know, we cannot really think about what we are uh, mourning for if we don't know about it. We've got to know what it's all about and what we're missing and what we've lost and what we stand to gain and what we can look forward to, all of that is part of the attitude and atmosphere of Tisha B'Av, of this day of the 9th of Av, which begins this evening, carries through the whole day tomorrow. So fast begins this afternoon, this evening at about 5.35. It's going to carry on till past 6 o'clock tomorrow evening, um, 6.03, 6.04, I think I saw on uh, the UOS website um, for the time of the end of the fast. And during this entire time, we actually have all the fasting uh, rules that would apply to Yom Kippur. Uh, no leather shoes, no eating or drinking, no anointing. We don't put on oils and creams. We do not take a shower. We don't take a bath. Um, and we refrain from marital relations uh, during this time as well. Um, Tisha B'Av is a time of 
loneliness and a time of sadness. Yom Kippur is kind of different because Yom Kippur is very uplifting. And Tisha B'Av, a little bit of a downer. However, we cannot dwell there. We cannot remain there. There needs to be the lifting of it. There needs to be the change of focus. Yes, we've got to mourn. And yes, we need to be sad. And yes, we need to think about what we've lost. And yes, we, we talk about the sadness and the destruction. But there has to be a positive turn, a positive outcome. And tomorrow, um, after the middle of the day, the whole mood changes. We get a little bit more uplifted. We no longer need to sit low. We still do keep on our and on leather shoes. We refrain from greeting people. Um, we um, get into that uh, frame of mind of Tisha B'Av. However, the outcome at the end of it all needs to be that we're looking forward to the coming of Mashiach. And tomorrow morning, we do not put on our talis and tefillin. That is only put on at Mincha time in the afternoon. And so a great opportunity to go to shul, to be involved with your community. Put on talis and tefillin tomorrow afternoon at Mincha. And uh, then my riv and the end of uh, the day, the end of Tisha B'Av tomorrow night at 6.04. Um, this sees us through this uh, awesome and needs to be impactful day of Tisha B'Av. We cannot come out at the end of Tisha B'Av the same way as we go in, but that needs to be the mantra, I guess, of every Jewish date and every Jewish festival. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Continuing with our thoughts about Tisha B'Av and the Shabbos that follows after Tisha B'Av. So Tisha B'Av comes to an end tomorrow evening. We've got to remember at the end of the fast, we do a few things. Number one is we need to wash our hands, Natilat Yadayim, um, like we would when we wake up in the morning. Because in the morning, tomorrow morning, we only wash up to the knuckles. We don't wash the whole hand, just the fingers. Um, so we do that straight, straight after the fast. We also will be doing Kiddush Levana, which we haven't done yet. That's if there's a clear sky and a moon. We'll do Kiddush Levana to sanctify the moon. As well as, of course, eating and drinking, uh, because we have now the opportunity to break our fasts. And we've got to remember that breaking the fast cannot be on meat or wine. We still keep that until midday on Friday, that we don't eat meat or drink wine. Midday Friday is when the Nine days, three weeks actually officially ends from that point of view. But Tisha B'Av hopefully will be a thing of the past as a day of mourning and become something that will herald in a beautiful and wonderful future with the coming of Mashiach and be something that is far happier than all of that. And then we turn towards Shabbos. The coming Shabbat is called Shabbat Nachamu. It is the Shabbos in which we read the Parsha Va'et Hanan, second Parsha, second uh, portion, second sedra of the uh, Chumash of Devarim of Deuteronomy, and in it is contained so much, including the Ten Commandments, giving of the Torah, and so on. And it's Va'et Hanan. It's all about the prayers that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses. Uh, said in begging God to forgive the, to the Jewish people and to pray on their behalf and so on. And so it's a great time to reconnect and to think about um, our path forward. And, of course, straight after Tisha B'Av, um, we are now already gearing up for the month of Elul and uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Uh, that comes very, very soon hereafter. 
Um, and we begin by the Shabbos of Nachamu. Nachamu, Nachamu Ami is the beginning of the Haftorah that is read on this Shabbat. It is all about comfort. Hashem provides double the comfort. The uh, illness, the sickness, the disease, the plague, the uh, sadness, the mourning is always double comfort that comes from God Almighty, as hard as it is to see it when you're going through it. And of course, Tisha B'Av and sadness and terrible tragedies and difficulties are things that uh, get us down and they tear us apart and they push us away from where we should be or what we should be doing. And we've got to remember that God Almighty, this great benevolent God of Rachamim, of mercy, of chesed, of kindness, wants nothing more than to see his people stand up, um, be able to walk again with our heads held high, thinking about great and good and wonderful things that hopefully are in store for us in the very, very near future. And so, Nachamu, Nachamu, comfort not only for one, but for two temples, and double the comfort after the tragedies and the difficulties that we go through. And that's what this coming Shabbos is all about. It's about a complete transformation, a complete change of focus, a focus into things that are positive and that are great and that are good, and getting back to exactly where we need to be, exactly where we should be in our path forward. So we look forward to that. And we hope that um, Tisha B'Av itself heralds the arrival of Mashiach and the coming of the third Beit HaMikdash that we'll be able to see very, very soon. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So we are about to head into Tisha B'Av. And yes, we need to mourn, we need to be sad, we need to think about the destruction of not one, but two Bate Migdash, two temples. But we need to really understand what those temples meant for us. It was all about the real, not only the center of Jewish life, but it was everything of Jewish life. It was everything that means anything to us in our relationship with each other, in our relationship with God. There were open miracles that happened there. And all of these things ceased when the temples were destroyed. Yes, several of them were not there in the second Beit HaMikdash, the time of the second temple, but they were certainly there in the first, and we know that they'll be there in the third. But in the second one, there were things that were missing. And in fact, we're told that this is why people of the caliber of the Rambam, Maimonides, tell us that, in, they were, that people used to fast, even in the time of the second temple, on Tisha B'Av, because there were things that were missing. There were exciting things, important things, including the Aron, the ark that contained the tablets of stone that Moshe Rabbeinu brought down the mountain. Those were missing in the second temple. And so we hope and pray that as we think about and we delve in our own minds and in our own learning and understanding, we realize what the temple represented, what it meant to us, how important it was, and how important it will be. And then we can increase not only in the yearning for the coming of Mashiach and for the third temple, but we can increase in our acts of kindness, in our acts of goodness, in our acts of chesed, in our mitzvahs, in our Torah learning that will add to and increase and make and create the atmosphere 
for Mashiach to come, for that temple to descend, and for us to be able to bask in that collective glory of what um, the coming of Mashiach will truly be all about. So people have said, I wish you well over the fast. People have said, I wish you an easy fast. And people have said, I wish you a meaningful fast. I'm not sure if it's any of those. Let's um, fast, but let's make sure that our fast is not just open-ended sadness and mourning and depression, but rather that it's there with an agenda. And the agenda is to fix what is wrong, to rectify what we can, and to make sure that we blaze a trail of our own forward to the coming of Mashiach and to that third Beit Amigdash, to that third temple. May it arrive speedily in our time. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbos up, up ahead. And yes, in a way, it sounds strange, but a great Tisha B'Av. Hopefully we have that great Tisha B'Av very, very soon, the one that we're promised when Mashiach will come and things will be what they really should be, a world free of hatred, and that there'll be peace, and there'll be joy, and there'll be happiness uh, for each and every one of us to live with, to live in, and to enjoy. Take care. Look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place, next week on Judaism 101.9.